0: And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Here's a question. Did you know an all-bond portfolio can earn up to 6.88% yield? As interest rates plateau and eventually begin to drop, Betterment is offering the BlackRock Target Income Portfolio, a 100% bond portfolio that can be a smart alternative to cash. Here's a couple more reasons why you may want to consider BlackRock Target Income Portfolio. First, it has four different yield targets to choose from based on your preferred level of risk. Second, it's built by BlackRock, one of the world's leading asset managers managers. And third, while it's still an investing product, it's generally less risky than stocks alone. But did you really hear anything after up to 6.88% yield? Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Learn more at betterment.com bonds. As of 4-19-24 for the aggressive target income portfolio, blended 30-day SEC yield is the weighted average of 30-day SEC yields, standardized calculation for each ETF in the portfolio, net of fees 0.25%. Yield is not performance. Investment returns may vary. Investing involves risk, including loss of principle. Betterment, not BlackRock, is responsible for its advisory relationships with clients. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Friday, September 11th, the 19th anniversary of the attacks on the United States. So, just a quick moment to breathe and think about that and think about the people that we lost during that time. And then we'll get to the show. Yes, this is the program where we are trying to help you through your financial ups and downs. And boy, there have been a lot of ups and downs. I haven't talked about it a lot because, you know, we made a very specific choice on the program. We decided to actually rename the podcast to reflect where we were, which is, hey, it's just the Jill on Money podcast as opposed to the market update. But of course, as soon as we did that, the market started to go kaflooey. So I just want to be clear that um, obviously this week we saw that tech shares fell by 10% over just a few trading sessions. Uh, Tesla had its worst one-day loss on record midweek. And, you know, well, poor Tesla left out of the S&P 500. However, shares are still up by 300% this year. Mark, I don't know if you realize this, Tesla shares up 527% over the past two years. Okay. So yes, the NASDAQ has led the way. Facebook, Apple, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, Netflix, throw NVIDIA in there. You can call them Fangman. But the reality is that these stocks and these markets are volatile. You shouldn't really be looking at it day to day. And I hope you're not. But you know what? Markets are really doing incredibly well compared to what's going on in the economy, which is still pretty shaky, guys. It just is. We still have million fewer jobs than existed prior to the pandemic. So we have some work to do. Okay. Now that said, let's get to your questions. If you have something going on in your financial life, Mark and I want to help you out. All you have to do is send us an email. So easy, right? The email address is askjill at jillonmoney.com. That's what Julia did. And Julia writes that she loves listening to the podcast on her daily walk and needs some advice. Julia says, I recently lost my husband at the young age of 57. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I am also 57, she writes, with two sons who are 18 and 20 who were both in college My house is paid for. The value is approximately $800,000. And her investments include a Roth IRA, a rollover IRA, cash from a life insurance policy. And she basically wants to know, she's got about a million and a half bucks and then another $850,000 from a life insurance policy in cash. And she wants to know how much she should keep in cash as uh, just a liquidity buffer. She says, I'm not working. I was a stay-at-home mom for 20 years. I can start to collect a widow's benefit through Social Security at age 60, but I'm probably going to wait until 65 or 67. What is the best approach at this point? Should I keep $850 in cash and draw down on this for yearly costs or invest some? First of all, Julia, I am so sorry. What a terrible story. And um, I thank you for writing. And I'm sure that this is just a really crazy time. So big picture approach for this would be for you to really look at your retirement at this point. You're you're at a crossroads. And if you don't want to do that yourself, you can certainly seek the advice of a financial planner, a fiduciary financial planner, someone who's looking at your best interest And if you are comfortable managing the money, the money, the one and a half million dollars already invested, you would then try to run the numbers, see how you're going to do once the Social Security kicks in. And you're going to have to plan to keep some of this money in cash enough so that you don't need to invade any of the retirement assets. But I do think that it would serve you very well to run those numbers before you make the decision of how much money you need to keep in cash. I mean, if you have eight years and you say, I know I need $800,000 you know, over the next eight years, I need a hundred grand a year. It's not necessarily the best game plan to keep all of that money in cash. So I think you might be able to really use somebody who perhaps could just do a fee only preparation of a plan where they give you the advice, but don't invest it if you're comfortable investing. But I think now would be a time to really take a deep breath and not make a big decision just yet. I think until we understand what your needs are, you keep all the money in cash. And then once you have a game plan, you can start to execute it. But I wouldn't do anything just yet, except try to find a really good advisor. And if you'd like, send us a note and maybe we can hook you up with somebody. Um, I don't know where you live. If you want to do something close to home or not, I think you're in very good shape because you've got a lot of money. Just want to make sure that we make the best use of that. Okay. Uh, Okay. Joe writes, hi, Jill and Mark. I can't even come close to telling you how much I love your podcast. Oh, that's so nice. My quick comment question reflects a pet peeve of mine regarding leasing a vehicle. It seems leasing is most often touted as allowing one to drive more of a vehicle than they would normally be able to afford. For once, I would like to have it described as being able to choose a normal level vehicle and pay less for it. That is, why is the idea of driving beyond one's means the highlight for this financial method? Thanks and keep up the fantastic work conservative Joe. Hey, Joe, I'm with you, man. The problem is that, you know, the reason why leasing works is that there are just people who want a new car every few years and that's why they love it. And then there are people like me, super boring conservative Jill, so conservative Jill and Joe, who like to buy a car and drive it into the ground. My car currently has 72,000 miles on it and I'm hopeful that it will get to, you know, 90,000. And I usually buy a used car at the very end of the year right? The end of December for cash. That's what I try to do. I'm with you, man. Take a normal level any day. Mark says 72,000 miles is not a lot. I hope not. We'll see. You know what the critical issue is when you get an older car is just whether or not the car is starting to cost you more money right? So if it costs me a couple grand a year just to keep it up and running and make some minor repairs, that's fine. But as soon as you have one big fat repair, you you've missed it. Two more years is what I'm hoping for. That's what I, I hope I get that. Okay. Here is a question from Donna who says, I enjoy your daily podcast, which I discovered in March this year. I would appreciate some advice about my current situation. I was laid off from my IT job back in 2019 at the age of 60. I'll be 62 in early 2021. Since I lost my job, which was very demanding, stressful, and required global travel, I've returned to the family farm to work outside and to help take care of my 96-year-old mother. Wow. After so many years of work spent staring at PC screens and dealing with global customers and teams in Asia and Europe over Skype, I can now breathe again, not to mention the vast improvement in my physical and mental health. God bless you. The problem is, uh uh-oh, no income. That's okay. She writes, the time spent with my family is worth so much more than any dollar amount. I'm trying to determine if I can continue this lifestyle and possibly consider retirement. At some point, I may go back to work in the corporate world, but for now, I'm exploring the possibility of retirement. Can you help me figure it out? I'm single. I don't have any children. $780,000 in a 401k at Fidelity, which I haven't rolled over. I applied your weight methodology here. Weight is why am I trading? Okay, the money's still in the 401k and it has recovered nicely. So that's good. $70,000 in a Roth IRA at Fidelity. $65,000 in an emergency fund savings account. I've been drawing funds from this account for a year after the severance and unemployment ran out. Current balance sixty five grand four hundred fifty dollars a month from a small pension if I wait until sixty five three hundred seventy two dollars if I claim at age sixty two value of the home two hundred thirty four thousand dollars eighty grand left on a fifteen year mortgage will be paid off in four years I currently don't plan to move from my home but I'm not emotionally attached to it I'll sell it if necessary. Social Security at age 62, 2100. Monthly expenses, 3200. Okay. The thinking about retirement questions are I'd like to roll over my 401k to a traditional IRA and stay with Fidelity. Any advice on asset allocation? I'm currently 75% stocks, 25% bonds. What's your opinion on going 50 50 and using the U.S. bond index for the 50% bond allocation? That looks good. So basically, 50% bonds and 50% stocks, total stock market, total bond, and the U.S. bond index, that looks good. Maybe a few other funds. Should I consider other products? No, no other products. I like this. That's fine. Can you help me come up with a plan? Should I delay Social Security at 62, pull from retirement accounts? Do I need a financial planner? Thanks, Jill and Mark. Keep up the great work and the positive, honest advice you give all of us. It's made a difference in my life, Donna. You know, first of all, I think going 50/50 on the allocation is perfectly fine. I think you may want to have throw an international fund into the mix. Um you may even want to have a commodities fund in the mix. I just think that you could round it out a little bit because you do have 850 grand. I like the idea of moving things over I'm reluctant to say, to take social security at 62. We'd love to kind of get you to your full retirement age. The problem I see is that you may not have enough money in your um, accounts right now to float you until your full retirement age. And uh, I'm I'm also wondering with your monthly expenses at $3,200, what would those monthly expenses be if you sold the house? I mean, are you going to stay on the farm or not? that's what I can't quite get. I think you do need to do a financial plan first. And if you want to do it yourself, then there are certainly plenty of ways you can do that. But if you want help, Certainly, there is the ability for you to get that help. Um, You can run through the website at Fidelity, but you can also look at maybe hiring a fee-only financial planner to help you make these big decisions. It sounds like you can execute. You know, again, there's sort of two aspects to the financial planning and management of your personal financial life. One is the plan itself, and there are a lot of places where you can get that plan, But the other is the execution of that plan. And it sounds to me like you're completely capable of doing the actual execution of the plan. I think the bigger question for you is who's going to create that plan. So there's a few different places to check out. There are a couple of free calculators, the Choose to Save Ballpark Estimate, the AICPA calculator. But there's also the esplanner.com, which is a paid calculator. You may want to check that out or you may want to go to NAPFA, napfa.org, dot org, which is the website for fee-only planners, because I think that may give you uh, the names of some folks who could probably run these numbers for you. I think you're probably pretty close to being able to retire. I think the big issue for you are the years before you can claim Social Security and what is the best strategy for that. So that to me is the critical issue and we don't want to mess that up. I'm glad that you, I mean, it's really interesting to hear that from people though, Mark, right? Like the idea of, hey, I'm living a different life and it's pretty darn good. So I'd love to see that you could stay in that life and maybe even do something, some consulting on the side later, but not anytime soon. So you could really enjoy that time with your family. It's kind of a gift, right? Okay. Steve writes, my wife and I are both 69 and comfortably retired. Our 41-year-old son is living in a second home we own in Florida. He was renting from us at one time, but has not paid rent since losing his full-time job 12 years ago. Oof. Okay. So we had let him live there out of compassion and the fact that we could afford to do it. My concern is that with our income, less than half what it was when we were both working, our finances are tighter. This is also complicated by the concern that our son is suffering from depression and we can't force him to get help. He has occasionally indicated that he might commit suicide if we were to force him out. Oh my God, this is horrible. The stress over this is even threatening our nearly 50 year old marriage since I tend to be more hard nosed about this and know we're enabling our son. But my wife doesn't have the heart to throw him out. I can't talk to him about this anymore. When I try, he just cuts off communication. He continues to speak with my wife, who writes the checks and pays our bills. I don't know what to do. You know what, Steve? This is a terrible situation. I'm so sorry for everybody. I don't know if this is a financial question. I think this is a question for you to discuss with your wife and probably with a counselor. You, I think you might need some help because I don't know what to tell you. If this kid is, he's not a kid, I know, but if your son is really at risk I, who wants to take that kind of chance? I, I I think this is way beyond my capability. And I know that the the money aspect is the trigger, but behind that is the more important path that you guys need to take as a family. And I am not the the right person to help you with that. I think you need a really good therapist to help walk you through what's really going on. I know it's sort of an annoying response, but I don't know. I I am not qualified to do that for you. Okay. So I wish you all the best. And if it is a case where you want to follow up and maybe give me some more details about your finances that you have, maybe I can help you with that. I have a very you know it's funny I mean when I end on this note, it's hard for me i I do want to say that we are um we are not all in this together, you know there are some people who are really hurting, and there are some people who are really um in in great pain and and it makes me so sad to hear from those of you who are in that pain uh, whatever help that I can give you from your financial part, happy to do. You can always send an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. And if you wanna listen to these words, maybe more than ever as we close the show, which is wash your hands, wear your masks, maintain your physical distancing and try to do something nice for somebody, somebody out there like Steve and his family, somebody out there who's lost a spouse, lost a family member during this crisis, somebody wants to hear from you. Something that you can do do something really special for someone else. And that special thing may just be a quick text. It may be a quick call. Check in on somebody who you know is suffering. I know it's hard to do, guys. Nobody likes to have the the bad conversation with someone who's suffering, but it is so appreciated. So please try to do that. I promise you it will make you feel better. Thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.